Welcome to the Handshaker Huddle podcast. We host weekly candid interviews with tech and telco execs from all over the world on both sides of B2B. We'll hear fun anecdotes, war stories, and we'll learn something together along the way too. Tune in with me, Leon Hardwick, your host, and don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. Hey everybody, welcome to episode six of the Handshaker Huddle podcast. We interview Irv Witt this week. Irv and I met while he was in charge of wireless product marketing at Rogers in Canada. Irv is an independent consultant these days, um, focused on IoT and 5G marketing and product positioning. Irv is an incredibly clear thinker. He's a great communicator and um, he has a knack of breaking down complex technical uh, concepts for uh, laymen to understand, uh, like myself. Um, Irv and I focused this interview on how sellers need to focus on problems uh, with stakeholders and operators so that you can get better results. It's a great interview, some really, really great insight and I am um, uh, looking forward to the feedback on this one. Enjoy. Good. Thanks for joining. And um, I appreciate you uh, uh, sorting out some of the technical issues. We, it, to, to be frank, the tech has been great the last couple of days. And I can, you know, I can see this being something that we use for a long time to come. So uh, uh, welcome and, and thanks for joining. Um, a couple of icebreakers, if I may. I just want to get a bit of a feel for your background and your career to date. So just give us a bit of a feel for uh, your, your career to date. Okay. Well, uh, first off, I'm, uh, I consider myself these days a marketing guy or marketing executive. That's my primary sort of uh, um, anchor point, if you will. Yeah. But I actually started off on the engineering side of things. I was a software engineer. And I was given an opportunity to work on the marketing side of things. And I thought, maybe, because, as you know, engineers tend to view marketing as a lot of fluff and, you know, not much substance to it. And, you know, if you can't do a real job, maybe you can take a marketing job, right? <laughs> but, uh, all kidding aside, uh, when I went over to the marketing side, what I found interesting is it's a combination of left and right brain. So a lot of the engineering side of things tend to be very analytical. Whereas in marketing, you have a lot of analytical science. You have to understand what customers are looking for, or, you know, quantitative pieces as well. But on the other hand, uh, it's it's a little bit more of a, a broader thinking and a need for some creative uh, energy as well. So I find the balance of the two uh, quite interesting. And the other joke I have with my friends, I call myself a little bit the horse whisperer in the sense that uh, I'm very strong on the technical side. I, I understand how engineers think. I am an engineer. And I get that whole mindset. But on the other hand, I also understand the marketing side. And when people start arguing about, you know, brand essence and tone and manner and stuff, my eyes don't roll back in my head and say, what what, what nonsense are you talking about? I get the two. And uh, my, my role typically is to try to bridge the two because the way I would put it, either left to its own devices on its own leads to not the optimal outcome. The optimal outcome is some sort of balance of factors, right? Typically, you're trying to get to some business outcome and it's not all, you know, the technical uh, pieces. You have to also be very cognizant of what your customers are looking for and 
what the market solutions are. So that's really where I find uh, my niche. I uh, I have worked for Rogers for um, roughly 20 years or so, taking on various roles. I've done everything from on the technical side, you know, capital planning work and spectrum auctions. On the marketing side, I was uh, fortunate to be uh, the general manager launching a new brand for Rogers called Cheddar. Yeah. So I understand both pieces. And then sometimes how you can use technology to um, uh, solve problems in ways that uh, you wouldn't expect. I'll give you one, one simple example. When we launched the Chatter brand, one challenge we had was how do you process credit card transactions and avoid fraud and all that sort of stuff? Well, rather than trying to do it in-house, we partnered with a best-in-class uh, provider of credit card processing uh, uh, capabilities in exchange for a slice of revenue. A radical different approach from how it was done, but it was a game changer in terms of, you know, avoiding the problem completely or solving it without a lot of technical complexity. So sometimes that's sort of outside of the box, thinking about what is the business problem you're trying to solve and then what are the right ways to come at it and it's not always just technical and it's not always just marketing so yeah and, and funny enough uh, it, 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 there's been a lot of that coming out the conversations we've had already um making sure you have the ability to solve a problem um and partner with people that can solve a problem but also be creative in the way that you go about having uh, some form of agreement or contract or arrangement or deal yeah um, it's been quite prevalent and you know, from my perspective, I think one of the things I found with my dealings with you is your 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 ability to articulate very complex technical information um, for the layman. So somebody you know that isn't as as uh, technical as as you are, and maybe some engineers are, um, and that's really unique. Actually, that's a, quite a skill um, that you've kind of cultivated over a very long time. And I think the thing I wanted to focus on today is. The, the more technical side of the brain, um, our dealings together some years ago were uh, at the point where you were looking for something really technical, a way to measure customer experience, essentially. And we came, I came to the party very late in that conversation. You'd already engaged a, a partner to, to have a look at seriously. Um, and we kind of butted in <laughs> at that point. Hey, we can help you guys with this. So how did you go about evaluating uh, that very technical uh, proposition. What was the process you went through? And, and um, give us a feel for what goes on behind the scenes when you're looking at something incredibly technical like that. So aside from the, you know, in a large organization needing to have lots of different stakeholders aligned to ultimately what you're trying to do, I think you have to peel it back and say, okay, what is the problem we're trying to solve? How are we trying to, you know, what is the, impact on our customers what what sort of you know what is the desired outcome uh you know what problem are we solving and um you know how, how can we measure that um you know um so you know capability if you will so in other words it has to be much more than something sort of a, a big blanket solution of everything it has to say okay what's the specific pain point what issue have we not been able to solve with traditional approaches? And then how might a, a, a new approach uh, solve that? So for example, uh, as you know, and many people on the network side know, the, the network itself has massive numbers of statistics about things and measures all kinds of things. But one of the missing points is, okay, but what is the actual customer's experience with a device in their hand? What exactly is going on and what frustrations are they having? And then 
how can we try to come up with a better way to address those particular uh, customer uh, issues? Um, it's a little bit like when your your handset can't see the network. It's the network says there's no problem. Yeah, you can see your device. Meanwhile, the customer is ready to not only throw the device through the window, but quietly go and find another provider because you just keep telling them that you know, hey, the network's working fine. I don't know what your problem is. You know, you know, it's just not the right solution. So it's a matter of always boiling it down into uh, what what problem you're trying to solve, and then how can you solve that in a you know a, in a really focused and targeted way, without getting distracted with solving the other 903 problems that the company would like to have solved in some way. It's more is this really high on the the need requirement for. Um, you know, building a better uh, customer experience. And if the answer is yes, then how can this this proposition or this, uh, you know, a tool or what have you uh, help solve that? So I, I, yeah, I think, I think um, you know, from my perspective, it's, it, we've, we've talked a lot about boiling it down to its fundamentals, the problem, and how does, yes. that, how does that problem get solved with that solution? Um, but how do you go about you know, getting consensus with your peers and potentially, you know, other groups that probably don't want to come along because, um, you know, from an engineering perspective, you know, you tend to, well, you know, I'm measuring all of this stuff, right? I can see my yes. receptors, I can see my my antennas, like they're all saying green, but really what you want to do is come from from a different, different direction. And there's probably friction being caused between yes. the two. Like how do you get through all of that stuff? And um, so one of them is, it's funny, again, uh, although engineers don't always think this, but on the marketing side, you should always try to have sort of a fact-based uh, mindset, okay? So it's sort of how do you cut through the chase? So in other words, you have, you know, customer information, you know, feedback, et cetera, that's quantifiable that says this is a problem. How are you, how is your network, you know, performance relative to your peers or perceptions of that relative to your peers, et cetera. And it's about, uh, you know, moving ahead of your competitors or offering a, a better solution. So one, one thing is, okay, make sure that the problem can be you know, easily explained, right? And as I just said, mentioned ago, if the network can't see your handset, no problem found. Yeah. The problem is customer won't say that this is all good. So, so it's a matter of putting it in a way that, okay, everybody can understand, okay, now we have alignment on what problem it is we're trying to solve. And it's also not, it's not a search for the guilty. You know, let me find the 50 network engineers that forever put up dashboards and claim that there's no problem. That's not the mindset at all. The mindset is how can we find a, a creative and smart way to, uh, you know, fix this problem and focus on fixing that problem in a way that's going to make, you know, delivery the better customer satisfaction. Some, I mean, not every initiative is driven by customer sets. Sometimes it's a cost saving initiative. It can also be something where you're trying to generate uh, new revenue streams or or that sort of thing. I'll come back to that in a, in a little bit later when we talk about the 5G stuff. But the that's really the mindset of, okay, don't get fussed with all the, you know, uh, you know, network block diagrams of what talks to what and what does how. It's sort of, okay, make sure that people have vetted that the solution can work, but come back and always focus on what problem are we solving? Let's keep focused on that, and let's get everybody aligned around uh, doing that. And the other, the other side of the coin, I think you've you alluded to it, is the the world doesn't stand still. I mean, if if you think that you know every solution and you know offer you have today will be unchanged for the next five years, 
you're you're somewhat delusional in terms of what's going to happen in the marketplace. The simply staying with uh, you know status quo, you know, isn't always the best solution. For some things, they don't need to be fixed or changed, but other things you have to say, okay, you know, how can we um, get a leg up on our competitors or or do something that makes our customers happier or what have you in a way that uses you know smart technology in a in a in a targeted way to address specific uh requirements right and spatial buzz had a, a very unique uh solution with uh you know something where there was an app on the device now suddenly if you can have hundreds of thousands of devices quietly measuring things as to when they can connect or can't you'll suddenly see where the the problem spots are versus what traditional dashboards will show you. And then there's an ability to not only, uh, you know, understand where those problems are, but be much more transparent with your customers, right? I mean, sometimes admitting you have a problem goes a long way to making customers have more trust in your, um, you know, your brand and, and what you're trying to do. Nobody has a perfect network or whatever else. But if, if you're the, you know, perceived to be the, the company that's going to be doing the most to uh, solve problems and listen to customers uh, in the long run, that will uh, that will pay off big time in terms of, um, you know, ability to, you know, uh, uh, these sort of stats they talk about are willing to recommend, et cetera, et cetera. So the things that uh, ladder up to uh, a stronger brand position. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, it just sounds like there's this total pragmatism when it look when you're looking at these things. And when you're having to, to work with so many different functions and different people with different opinions, um, it's almost like you are trying to get consensus in your own business. Yes. During and kind of leading up to a deal and after the deal. Yes. Uh, and that takes huge amounts of effort. Um, but it also takes a brain that can cross the two sides of that that story not just the engineering and the um, yes and then uh, the other thing obviously you know one needs to uh, identify you know who can help lead the charge internally so you know you need to have some strong you know backing of other thought leaders or people in positions of influence you know vps or people that are responsible for long-term planning and capital etc you know, they need to be, uh, you know, you need to find somebody to help help drive things forward. But again, if you can anchor your, um, you know, your thing in facts about, okay, here's a real problem that's attempting to be solved. And then again with the, okay, here's how we're going to measure the uh, outcomes. You know, we, we, we expect to see, you know, some metric improve and then what is that metric and then is there any way to quantify the impact on the business of that right yeah. and then always engineering metrics right some of these marketing metrics of you know willingness to recommend all that sort of stuff they sound sort of fluffy but if you think about it if you know it's the old cocktail conversation if you say hey you know who should i use for my you know, network or who should I fix, have the plumbing fixed in my house or what have you. Typically, a lot of it is partners you can trust. You know, somebody will say, yep, you know, those guys, not perfect, but they're people you can work with as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, somebody that some other organizations perceive to be arrogant or not listening or what have you. So, yeah, true. Okay. So, and, and that's another theme that come through in, in a lot of the discussions is, is the human element, which yes. is incredibly important. And actually I'll come to that in a minute, um, in a bit more detail, but 
Um, one of the things I'm curious about is how do you go about looking at something that's really bleeding edge? You know, 5G is, as an example, maybe not so much now, but going back maybe a year ago when people started talking about 5G and there was ushering of this amazing thing that's going to rock, skyrocket the, the speeds and stuff. So how did you go about looking at something and saying, okay, what do we do with this? How is this going to help us? Um, and how does that evaluation happen uh, when it's so early in its kind of uh, evolution? Well, I guess the, the first thing is you have to avoid, uh, you know, getting totally distracted with, you know, uh, many rat holes of, you know, interesting technology and, every, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, autonomous things that can deliver food. Sounds interesting. <laughs> But really, you know, you know, watching Star Trek is interesting as well. Not sure, you know, how, how that's going to help you actually deliver bottom line results. Yeah. The way I always come at it is, um, uh, you know, one way to look at it is the uh, it's got to be grounded in customer needs analysis and sort of a, a use case, a realistic use case kind of mindset of, okay, what particular problem are we trying to solve? And then when you say that, then what particular parts of this 5G smorgasbord might help you solve those? Sometimes people have a tendency to throw everything together and say it's all about, you know, improved latency plus speed plus this plus plus everything else. You end up with something that's not not at all focused. You know, it's sort of saying, okay, I mean, I, for example, my most recent work in uh, the fixed wireless space, it's the same thing. What what specifically are some of the things that the the technology offers up, and then are there customer needs that you can solve with that that are um, you know uh, very targeted and you know a useful application of the technology versus getting caught up in some of these you know augmented reality what will happen five years from now etc. There are lots of things that can uh, happen. Um, much more, um, you know, if you if you take that sort of targeted approach and saying, okay, the technology is maturing as we're seeing, and there's a lot of of things that you can you can bring to bear. The way I would characterize one of the other interesting things about the five G realm is it's a combination of both evolution and sort of revolution. I'll, I'll say what I mean by that. So the first is on the evolution side, one of the real game changers that doesn't get a lot of press is the fact that 5G and 4G technologies overlap and coexist. So you don't have a forklift upgrade of everything. And, and people always think forklift upgrades as the network. No, no, it's also what happens on the customer end because when you change technology, you know, the network changes and you gotta change cell towers or what have you. But on the customer side, if you need to rip out equipment because it's no longer compatible, you know, how is that a winning, a win-win solution for the customer? So because the, and not to get too technical, because with 4 and 5G can overlap, it's a little bit like you have a, a highway that takes 4G cars and somebody says, okay, we want to do this 5G thing. Well, you build some extra lanes that work for 5G vehicles, if you will, but the 5G vehicles can also use the 4G lanes. Well, okay. Over time, you have less and less 4G lanes as the number of those vehicles or what have you diminishes. Whereas previously what would happen is you'd build one road for one, one road for the other, and then somehow you have to, you know, rip things out and move things over. Wow. And that's true uh, also in the IoT space. Yeah, this is a stupid word, but basically connecting machines, the, you know, to the, uh, 
all, all the uh, you know networks of the world, if you will, is you know is progressively uh, you know going to be pervasive. But a lot of those things are looking for very low cost things that connect, and then they need to connect for a long period of time. In other words, you don't rip them out every two years when some new fancy cell phone comes out or or smartphone, should I say? It's more okay. How can I use the current technology and not become sort of snookered? Uh, you know, three years out where somebody says, okay, well, that was interesting. Now you got to go find all these things you've installed somewhere because they're no longer going to work. So that's one of the the things that changes on 5G. The second thing which is interesting is a lot of the traditional uh, assumptions about what you would call demarcation points are changing. So you used to have sort of a, a, a view that there's a core network and all this access parts of it. But now you're moving, you know, the newer technology level, you have more of a distributed uh, type of architecture, which opens up other other possibilities. Um, one thing I'd also say about focusing on those use cases or building solutions for specific customer problems is um, uh, what I would call, I'm not sure if anybody on the call has read the book, but it's, it's or the, has participated, it's called Blue Ocean Thinking. And what this does, it, it has a, a different way of looking at, at markets. And you look at companies that have uh, broken out, if you will, and it's because they've done things, uh, you know, quite differently. So, for example, sometimes it's not about, you know, if I look at a market and say, how many customers my competitor have, what's my share, all this sort of stuff. There's often, and this is more on, uh, outside of the smartphone realm, there are often many markets where there are a lot of non-customers. By non-customers, I mean customers who say, I, all that stuff you're yakking about is very interesting, but you know, we can't make that work here because it's too complicated, too expensive, all this sort of stuff. So they basically are on the sidelines. They're not even considering purchasing something because it's either too complicated, too expensive, etc. So that's sort of a, you know, it's those non-customers that can open up lots of new uh, opportunity. And to give you an example of a company that's done something like that, if you look at uh, Spotify and what they've done, they've done in the back, basically they've back end automated everything for everything from credit card processing to, you know, online shopping experience, et cetera, and served it up so that small and medium sized companies that don't have five web developers in the background can suddenly you know, look like they're a, a player in the market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is an example of going after non-customers because they had nothing. They wouldn't, you know, other than you know, hoping that they can sell through Amazon or something. Didn't really have a solution. So, a lot of the approach is, is as I say, looking for the, you know. But again, it has to be a win-win. You know, what's the, uh, what specifically are you trying to solve? What metric, you know, am I improving? So, for example, in the Spotify thing, suddenly you can start selling your T-shirts or something to anybody who wants them, as opposed to, you know, you've got only your your, your little shop somewhere. Well, obviously, these days that's a difficult realm, but it's, it's much broader than that simple example. So that's why I'd say there is very very interesting, uh, you know, uh, long-term uh, possibilities for folks solution piece, right, where you don't have to rip everything out. And then, of course, 5G will open up new ways to do things as as things become less expensive. So IoT will go through sort of a Shopify type of growth where suddenly companies that couldn't do anything before 
suddenly say, wow, this is cool. I can now, you know, deliver a better experience or, uh, you know, uh, reduce my servicing costs because I can automate something rather than sending out a field tech to have a look at some measurement of something or inspection or what have you. So there's lots of things that will, uh, will enable things. So I'm quite optimistic about notwithstanding, you know, the current challenges we have, how this will evolve and open up many, many new doors. Yeah, it's, it's super exciting. And I love, this is why I love listening to Ern, is because he, the analogy in terms of the, the road uh, network for uh, 5G, 4G reuse is probably the, one of the best ones I've heard uh, when talking about 5G. Um, you talked about use cases, and this is my final question. Sorry, Claire. Um, right. uh, what do you think is the most exciting use case for 5G, um, the most immediate exciting use case coming up for 5G? Well, there's a couple things going on. One of them is this uh, open RAN kind of uh, concept where you've split things out. So it's it's sort of a disaggregation, much like, you know, you um, historically have one vendor that provides everything and it's, you know, custom hardware, et cetera. Now by opening things up, you have an opportunity for many, many more players to deliver, you know, interesting solutions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Across the boards, so that's be one thing, and the second thing that, as I say, that has really captured my uh, attention is the, uh, you know, what is the realm of possible where you start to connect almost everything to the uh, the the internet, right? Yeah. There's obviously issues about managing security, making sure you, you all this stuff is properly controlled, etc. But that is, uh, you know, massively, uh, you know, a huge opportunity because it's coming in two ways. One of them is very low cost simple things you can connect and then also uh things like uh, factory automation etc where you now as i said earlier now you can s separate networks a little bit you can now do things processing etc on uh, at that location versus pulling all the data back to a data center etc so lots of opportunity <laughs>